This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Since 2019, Sales Leadership United has grown to become the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. Check out salesleadershipunited.com and tap into tools used by elite sales leaders worldwide. Accelerate your leadership development. Solve modern sales challenges. Use fully prepped sales meetings in your next team meeting. Thousands of hours of sales leadership materials indexed and searchable with a single click. Create your own personal sales leadership library. Head to salesleadershipunited.com and use the code ROB at signup to get a free trial on me. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth from the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. This show features leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Be sure to check out the all-new salesleadershipunited.com. Fast-track your sales leadership development, gain insights into how other sales leaders are solving challenges similar to the ones you face, and tap into over 400 leadership topics, hundreds of video insights, battle-tested leadership frameworks, and new material that comes out every single week. Sales Leadership United is the easiest investment in yourself you'll ever make. Head to salesleadershipunited.com, use the code ROB at signup, and get a free trial on me. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders who are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. The show continues to grow so fast. We just had our biggest month in show history. And I love the DMs that you keep sending to me. Send them, keep them coming. I love your stories about how these conversations are game changers in your career. And thanks to the so many of you who reached out about hearing my story about my ongoing battle with cancer. It means tons to hear about how the story has been helpful to so many. Thank you. And I appreciate your support. Today, though, today we're in for a good one. I am really excited to introduce Monica Stewart to the show. Monica has been involved in every single part of the sales function. She's a three-time VP of sales at iconic organizations who has done more than just move the sales needle. She's helped four of these companies, including big orgs like Trello, be acquired at really favorable valuations. She's also been a principal at Scaled, where she's worked with leadership teams worldwide, helping create revenue systems that created massive impact as she helped leaders of all shapes and sizes navigate how they built and upgraded their revenue systems. After 10 years of developing elite sales teams with massive success, Monica decided to start working with leaders so she could make differences that were difference makers, and she founded MSP Consulting. Monica helps sales teams achieve their goals in the very fastest way possible, and I cannot wait to dive in with her. Today, she's going to join to share uh, with all of us what's helping leaders worldwide become next-level leaders. She's going to give us insights you can use immediately as you work with your teams to help them engineer the most successful years in their history. And she's going to share tools that may surprise you that, she, that you can use immediately to create impact to take your team to the next level. If you can't tell, I'm fired up. Can't wait. Monica, thank you know. Welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast. Podcast, and on behalf of fifty thousand listeners worldwide, thank you for joining me. Hey, Rob, thank you so much for having me. Um, wow, what an amazing introduction! I am equally fired up to be here. 
well, we're going to have a fun time together. And I love your energy. I love what you do. And we got a lot of people who are going to be Monica fans if they aren't already, which they will probably be a bunch of there's a <laughs> bunch that are going to be liking you when we're done. Why I'm don't ready we for start? It. Good. Let's start. Talk to us about your group, MSP Consulting, what you do for your customers, uh, for people yeah. that just introduce yourself. Totally. Um, so MSP Consulting is my company. And what we do is we work with uh, B2B startups uh, specifically that are selling to the enterprise because that's kind of really my my zone of genius. Um, and the companies that we work with are organizations that are looking to get to the next level of growth, whatever that is for them. So often this corresponds with, you know, sort of like a, a new level of revenue that they want to get to. Maybe, you know, they're at around one to two million. They want to get to five and then they want to have a pathway to 10. A lot of people come to me when they're getting ready to um, start going out to raise their next round. Um, or even when they want to, you know, figure out how they can move closer to a liquidity event, maybe sell the business or something like that. Um, and so what I do is I kind of work with them to figure out what's been successful in, in helping them to get to where they are now and then what's holding them back to, the, to get to that next level. And then we just work on all of those things together. I love it. So I got to go back a little bit farther, though. I, I, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to hear your answer to this. Five years of doing this show, I, I always love to ask people, what brought you to sales? You know, like for me, I was accidentally, I was going to be the next first baseman for the Dodgers and sales was not even something I thought of. What attracted you to sales and how did that, how did you fall in love with it? Yeah, great question. Um, I think it's a, a bit of a typical story in that, you know, when I was a little girl, I, I didn't want to be a salesperson, probably like most of us. And also yeah. a little bit of an untypical story. So when I was a little girl, I wanted to be an archaeologist. And wow. I went to, yeah, I went Let's to school go. for, uh, for international relations. Um, but I also, honestly, Rob, I did not grow up in an environment where I even really understood what careers were like my, my parents are artists. Um, my, my dad's a musician. My mom was a dancer. They got divorced when I was really young and like, we were super broke. I mean, my dad mm -hmm. built a successful company later on in my life, actually, which was really, really cool to watch. But when I was growing up, like divorced parents, my dad worked construction my mom was getting her esthetician license. We were on food stamps, free school lunch, eviction notices. We shopped at Goodwill, didn't go on vacation, didn't go to restaurants, um, didn't have money for the uniform to join the dance team at school. And it wasn't like, a hard, you know, I loved, I loved my childhood really. Like in a lot of ways, I didn't, I don't think I really realized until later, like all of the things that, that we didn't have. Um, but as soon as I kind of got my head around that, it, it was pretty clear to me that like, that was never going to be my life. And like having to struggle in any kind of way or like being a struggling artist was just not something that I was going to sign up for. But I was in a little bit of a, of a, of a predicament, predicament because no one ever talked to me about like, what is a career, you know? Like, I, I think when I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to go to college and I'll just open a nightclub on the beach in the Caribbean. My parents were sort of like, okay, sounds great. You know, like we could totally see you doing that. Um, but then I had, I kind of had to come to terms with like, okay, I need to go out into the world. I need to be able to pay rent and like make money and, you know, buy my own groceries and stuff. How do I do that? Graduated from school with this liberal arts degree in international relations. And, um, at that time, the only jobs that I could get recruiters to send me for were executive assistant positions. Oh. Um, and this was not that long ago. Like it was, it was very much still that world. They were like, find the industry that you want to work in and go get a job as an executive assistant to the most high ranking person that you can find in that industry. 
And I was like, isn't this the same advice that Helen Gurley Brown was giving people in the 70s? (laughs) No way. (laughs) I did not come this far to be an executive assistant. So literally the only other jobs that I could get interviews for were sales jobs. And um, my, the first guy that hired me, Jared Rose um, at Opal Financial Group, this conference company, um, he just, he just believed in me. Like I came in and I was like, I don't have, I, you know, I don't have any experience. Uh, I did nonprofit fundraising in college, but I'm really smart and I'll learn really fast and like, let's do this. Um, So he gave me the job and I just sort of went from there. And then I actually realized that I was really good at sales and there were a bunch of things that I liked about it because I was constantly learning every new company that I went into. It was like a whole new world of like, what is this product? Who are these buyers? How do their worlds work? Like, what is their business about? How do they think? And I've, I've never stopped being fascinated by that. I love your story. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, people like you fire me up. I, I, <laughs> I love it. Make, it makes me even more excited for where we're going to go next because you have had a huge impact for so many teams and uh, this is going to be fun. So you, mm-hmm. you now get to work with lots of sales leaders all around the world. You, you, you yes. help organizations. I love how you said there's some inflection points, maybe the next round or maybe preparing for acquisition or, or whatever mm-hmm. as they go to different. So as people have different inflection points, you're one of the people that they would turn to to say, how do we do this in a way with maybe a little more predictability or something like that? That's um, right. When you start with a new leadership team, I can't wait. I'm going to give you like blank canvas. Where do you go first? What do you like to look at first? Mm -hmm. So the people that I'm working with are it's sales leaders and it's also founders who have found themselves in the position of being sales leaders temporarily um, or maybe permanently depending on their journey. And the first thing that I always talk about with them uh, which is also the last thing that I talk about with them um, before Uh, we kind of cycle off to the next phase is where they see themselves, where they see themselves in the organization, where they see their company and its growth trajectory in the market, and then where they want to go. And usually at the beginning, we're talking about, you know, where they, where they are, like how, how they see their position and where they want to go. And somewhere along the line that that conversation usually transitions into talking about um, how other people see them and then also where they might be capable of going. I like it. So you're, you're doing as much with mindset and what they believe is possible for themselves as if that's where you start and that's where you finish. Like that's the bookends. Everything else is, is what you do about it, but you're, you got the, the, the book, the cover cover of the book is, is, what's going on between your six inches between your ears, right? Am I hearing that right? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think what I've found over the years, Rob, is that um, like the things that we talk about in sales, um, like, you know, how to do a great demo and like how to do a good discovery call and how to qualify your deals and, you know, all of these things that you see people, including me posting about every single day on LinkedIn, all of that stuff is super, super, super important. And if you don't do those things, you're not going to get very far. the other part of it is that even a lot of people that are doing those things and they're doing them all correctly are not getting the results that they could be getting or that they want to get. And usually what that means is that there is an underlying belief that they have that is coloring everything that they do. 
Um, and in, in most cases, they can't see it. And so for me, I think like when you're talking about how to achieve materially different results than you've been getting, if you want different results, you have to do different things. And you don't yes. just have to do different things. You have to do them in a different way than you have been up until this point. And that usually means changing something about the way that you see yourself and your potential in the world. And the way I reason I love that so much now that you just opened up Pandora, not Pandora's. You got the <laughs> genie out of the bottle. We're not going to put that genie back. It's my favorite topic. I here's cool. what I believe. Tell me what you think. I, there's no human being that changes their behaviors in a permanent or meaningful way unless they first change a belief first. Never, a hundred percent. No. Yeah, yeah. And there are so many examples of this, and it's like we talk about this so much in our culture from like a self-help or personal development perspective. And I think it's really interesting how this plays out in B2B because this also happens on the organizational level. Um, you will see companies that like, for example, let's say that you have a company that consistently gives discounts. Okay. Like end of quarter, end of year, they're throwing discounts out and it's obviously hurting, like it's hurting their retention, it's hurting their ARR, um, it's hurting their reps ability to, to grow. Uh, it's it's not a great practice to have as an org, right? I will bet you that nine times out of 10, that same company does the same thing to their vendors. And they also expect people to give them discounts because at the end of the day, like they don't value what they're putting out into the world. And so they also don't value what other people are putting out into the world. And it's that core belief, it's that core, like lack of confidence in value that's leading them to do the discounting. It's not the bad discovery. It's not the fact that they're not managing their deal cycles well. It's the fact that at the end of the day, the reps don't actually have conviction in the list price that they're asking for, and they can't wait to throw out a lower number because it makes so them feel better. So let's, again, we got 50,000 people listening to us. I want to I wanna break what you just said down. Let's deconstruct that if you don't mind, because I love sure. that example. Like every person listening that has ever led a team has had to deal with what you just said at some point. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So if we're going to say, what are our beliefs? If we're going to change how we act, we got to change our belief. If we're always going to discount, we must have a belief that we can't get a deal done unless they feel like they got a discount or That's they right. may have a belief. We can't get a deal done here because we believe it's valued down here. Right. Mm -hmm. And there, there may even be other beliefs. Those are the two obvious ones. I, I believe they won't sign unless they feel like they got a pound of flesh, or I believe they won't sign unless it's here, because that's what I really believe the value is. That, that's or what's I, or I believe right? that they, I believe that they won't sign because the, our buyer personas are inherently money, but money motivated and they're cheap or, you know, whatever it is. And so, so if we can acknowledge that, and the reason I wanted to break it down is we, we got like, as we record this, it's end of month, it's towards the end of October. Oh, that's right. There's going to be a lot of people like we're at the very end of October right now. Happy Halloween is coming. Um, in fact, it'll be released after Halloween. And um, there's probably a lot of people saying, man, I got to do whatever I got to do to get this deal done. And our mm -hmm. first move isn't become more valuable. Our first move is what do we got to do to the price? Right. That's, right. My, is that what we're talking about with our, our belief structure? Yeah, I think that can be. Um, so there's a, so if that's your belief structure and you're up, there's a couple of different things to unpack there. It's like, um, 
how, like, what, what are your assumptions about what signing this deal means for you? Like, can you afford to let it slip to the next month? Like, why is it important to you to sign a deal for $6,000 on October 31st versus get that deal for like the eight or nine K that it's supposed to be in the middle of November? Like, what is that going to mean for the way that you feel at your job? How you think that people are going to perceive you? Um, what you're going to tell your partner, what you're going to tell your friends. Is it that? Or is it that you've been at this company for so long and you've seen so many um, so many uh, customer feedback roadmap items get deprioritized that you have actually come to believe that your product isn't as good as it should be and right. you don't think that someone should pay that much for it? That's another really good thing to talk about. Or is it that you aren't even really sure if that deal should be in your pipeline anyway, and you would just be really happy to get something for it? Preach, baby, preach. I love this. <laughs> I'll give you another version of the same song, Monica. So I, I coach 100 sales leaders right now, about 100. And, yeah. and one of these leaders is with a company you would know very, very well. This is a company that you would know extremely well. And this leader, I got to be really careful because I don't want to, I don't want to disclose anything that would make it so we could guess who this is. This leader, I'm slowing down, came to me in a one-on-one a week ago. And this person said, Rob, I need to, I need to walk through. I'm not sure I'm playing for the winning team anymore. Oh no. Yeah. 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 So, so so this is exactly what we're talking about, right? That's a belief structure. Because I believe that when now we're talking about believe my favorite, I think there's three levels of belief, belief in the mission of what we're trying Mm -hmm. to do, Mm -hmm. belief in the company that we do it different and do it better. And then third belief in me that I got the chops to connect to people in a way where I can help them see that. And, uh, and, and I think all three of those, like this person I'm mentioning, this person was like, I don't know if I can do this because I'm not sure I'm part of the winning team. And so Mm. for all of our 50,000 listeners, there's a lot to what you've just opened up here, Monica. And I think you've opened up maybe, I think it's not a 50-50. This is quite possibly the most important thing for us to be intentional about as a leader. And it's yeah. not like, it's not like goofy cheerleader. Oh, you can do it kind of thing. It's not no, like, no. Got, yeah. it's not that. It's not, yeah. it's not yeah. that. Yeah. It's so not like you write in your you write in your gratitude journal. It's not like you're yeah. looking like uh, yes. what was his name yes. Stuart Smalley. Like you're not looking in the mirror and like you're good enough, you're smart yes. enough, and gosh darn it, people like you now. Go post some deals. Like that is so not going to make a difference. Yeah, with one of the leaders that a lot so a lot of times large companies will hire me to work with like fifteen or twenty leaders at a time, and individually. So they'll do a cohort with me for a year, and I get to know these people really well, and. The beginning, because that leader didn't hire me. The company hired me and then assigned me to that leader. Yeah. It's like two dogs that got to sniff each other out a little oh, bit. Oh, a hundred percent. Oh, yeah. like, oh, so, yeah. so it's a, let me, let me, yeah. let, let's talk about your experience. So I use medic yeah. or bant or a, right. yeah, totally. So, yeah. so I'm thinking of a gentleman who said, you know, Rob, I don't really go much for self-help stuff. And I'm like, I'm not here for self-help, but it was really interesting because we were talking about, I always start with mindset. I would start with belief. He's like, yeah go sell crazy somewhere else was what this person was thinking. So, so that's uh-huh. interesting that you started about. So let's tangibilize belief and mindset a little bit. We got a lot of people that some will be doing what that person did to me. And I don't know about this, Rob and Monica. So why do you start there and how do you tangibilize it? Uh, how do I, why do I start there and why do I tangibilize it? So in terms of why I start there, it's honestly just efficient. 
Um, I have worked with too many people, uh, both like when I was coaching reps as a leader and also companies that I've worked with as clients that, you know, I, I do everything I can. I pour everything that I can into them and they don't see results. And the reason is, is because they don't actually do the things that we talk about. And the reason that they don't do those things, it's not that they don't think that they'll work. If they didn't think that they would work, they wouldn't have hired me, but they don't think it will work for them. And mm. so they either don't really try or they kind of try, but they do it halfway and then they don't really get results because they didn't actually really do the thing. Um, and in the end, it's, it's actually just a, it's a negative result for them because they don't see the thing that they wanted to see. They don't see the revenue. They don't see the growth. They don't see the, you know, the outcomes that they're looking for. And so for me, like in my work, I'm like, okay, well, how do I, how do I, how do I have less of that happen? Like, how do I make sure that, you know, people that I work with are always successful? Um, and so the first thing that I do is I, is I, is I test and see how much they're willing to change in their belief systems and like how far along they're willing to go on that road with me. So let's it's actually going to make the biggest difference. Yeah. So I love this. I'm so glad that we're talking about this because this is in my mind, like one of the most important things, but we don't talk about it enough. In we five really years don't. on our show, we've hardly ever brewed lots on pipeline, lots on coaching, lots of things yeah. like that, but, but this, so to change how you believe you're going to have to let go of other beliefs to do that. Yes. Yes. And I, I think that can be really hard and I'll be, you know, we got a lot of leaders here that I, I, I want to help them do this. So any suggestions on how you actually, as a leader, help people start to let go of other things so you can embrace other ones? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, I love that you called that out because I also think that that's something that people don't talk about enough. Like there are so many um, things around mindset and, you know, people that talk about mindset a lot in professional settings, they're always talking about adding things to your routine. Like you have to get up at 5am because you've got to go for a run and write in your gratitude journal and take an ice bath and then also spend time with your kids and also touch some grass. And then it's like, man, I've already got like 11 meetings on my calendar today. Like, I don't know if I can add right. this many more things. And I've also been a victim of that myself in my own personal practice. I'm like, okay, Monica, you know, you're going, you're going through a time of growth. You've got to you've got to put some intentional practices into place and I'll be like, okay, great. So I'm doing, I'm doing, um, Pomodoro and I'm doing like, you know, to-do lists and I'm doing tarot cards every day and I'm doing this and I'm doing uh, manifestation journaling and all this stuff. And of course that lasts about two weeks and I get burned out. Um, so you have to, you have to take something off You're of awesome. the plate in order You're to awesome. be able to, in order to be able to make room for something else to come into your life. And I think if everyone were listening to this, were just to take a minute and, and just sit with that idea intuitively, it's going to make sense to you. Intuitively, you know that that works. Um, in terms of, you know, how do you actually do that? I think that the first step is to catalog what your, um, what your core beliefs really are and what what is the place that you're making decisions from? What do you believe to be true about yourself? What do you believe to be true about the people that uh, report to you? What do you believe to be true about your clients? Um, what do you believe to be true about your results? Whatever it is for you. What do you believe to be true about your place among your competitive set, let's say, if you're a founder? Um, and the reason that you want to start there 
is because every single one of the beliefs that you're going to have to let go of at some point in your life is there because at some point it served you really well. Fit in that. That is gold right there. Um, I want to make sure I heard you right. And then I want you to dig into this. At one point it serves you well. So what it means is you're going to sometimes have to let go of something that was really good. Yeah. Like literally got you to where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but in the, in the lens of, I'm holding my, for people who will see the video on the sales <laughs> leadership, not, I got my lenses on in the lens of what got you here, won't get you there. We can say, thank you. And we can move to the next thing. It doesn't mean yes. that we, it, it doesn't mean that, that you're bad. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. And you, you actually, uh, you called out the, uh, the title of one of my favorite books, which is what got you here won't get you there by Marshall Goldsmith. Um, he is a super powerful executive coach. Um, it's an amazing book. I think there's also a PDF that you can just download if you just want to Google it. And he has these 21, uh, 21 bad habits. And in the book, he goes through each of those bad habits and why they, they served you at one point or why you might think that those things are a good idea to do. Um, so one would be like, uh, adding too much value is one of them. And this is something that I, I personally have been guilty of because, you know, I started my career as an individual contributor. I was a rep and I was like a rep with a chip on my shoulder because I didn't go to a fancy school. I barely even went to college. Um, like I, you know, I, I graduated from high school when I was 16. Like I didn't, my parents didn't work in business. I, I was just trying to, I, I really felt like I had to fight for my place and like fight to be heard and fight for legitimacy. Um, and I was killing it at my job. And so the reason that I felt like that was entirely because of me, like no one else knew that I had those feelings inside. If you were to just look at me and look at, you know, my place on the, on the leaderboard, you'd you'd be like, of course, Monica should be here. She's doing great. But I didn't feel legitimate. And so I was constantly trying to add more value, add more value, add more value, take on more in my role, try to overachieve, try to like really blow out my numbers, just try to do a better job than everybody else. And um, that served me really, really, really well. It got me to like, you know, the top of every team that I was on, it started getting me promoted, it started getting me noticed. And then I started leading other people. And I was like that really annoying leader that was always like jumping in on your calls, always telling you what to do in our one-on-ones. I just wanted to add so much value. I just wanted to help them. And what I didn't know how to do was show up at a one-on-one and just sit back and let them talk and help them figure it out for themselves and let them bring the things that they needed to, to be heard on, which is the, the far more powerful and far more effective approach. But at the beginning, I couldn't do that because I felt like, well, why am I even here if I'm not showing up for this one-on-one with like two pages of notes of like all these things that I'm going to talk at them about, right? Of course, like they weren't really growing from that. Um, So I think that's just, that's just sort of one example. What a great example though. When you started, I had to, my tool was grind, but when I got to one inflection point, then I had to give up the grind and go to growth, choose growth instead of grind. I love it. So I want to go back to one of the things you talked about, because I think it was an important one and I don't want to just blow by it. 
You talked about one of your first places to go was catalog cataloging your core beliefs. Yes. As leaders, one of the things I always do first is have people build their leadership philosophy. And that includes some mm. of the things I think you're talking about. I've never found someone who had done it before we did it together. And it's a game changer. How would you recommend like that idea of cataloging log beliefs? I'm going to guess you've done this with people. I'm going to guess you've had people have to figure out how to do that. Any advice on how someone might want to do that to make it easy for them to catalog their beliefs in a way that they can use? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, depending on where you are, like if you're a sales leader, or you're a founder, even if you're you know an individual contributor that's listening to this, your categories are going to be a little bit different. Um, just open up the page in your journal. And just kind of, you know, draw a couple of lines and just write out a couple of categories of the things that are important to you. So like, let's say that you're a sales leader and you want to do this about your team. Um, so I would write, uh, you know, I believe that a great leader is this. I believe that I, as a leader, am this, and this is why I'm successful. I believe that my team, these characteristics, I believe that our product these characteristics. I believe that my leadership, these characteristics. Um, and don't really think about it too much, just, just free, just free flow. And then um, turn to the next page and then think about whatever it is that your goal is. And then same categories, right? What would have to be true in those categories in order for you to get to that goal? Wow, I like that. Yeah. And what's interesting when you do this is that a lot of the time when you start getting to the what would have to be true part in order for me to do that, it's going to actually be things that you don't like. It's going to be things that you don't want to do or that you don't think are good. Can you give me a for example? I, I love this. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So for example, um, uh, just like a company that I worked with recently. So. Um, you know, we are a, uh, we are a market leader for our niche. We are trusted and loved by our clients. Um, we are like, you know, the best out there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my, uh, my team loves me. They view me as like a positive leader, positive source of support. Great. Okay, cool. But you guys want to triple revenue in the next, like, 15 months. So what do you think would need to be true in all those categories in order for you guys to triple revenue? And immediately it's like, oh, well, we would have to be salesy and we would have to grow the team. And that would mean that we're going to have to hire reps that like people that don't fit in in the same way that people do now, like the culture is going to change. And we're going to have to like, um, we're going to have to push people to buy things that they don't need. And like, th that's what it takes like to get to that next level. And then, you know, you're looking at those things in there and it's like, well, of course you don't want to do that because that goes against everything that you love about yourself right now. Like that would mean changing your entire self-concept. And like, I can see why you guys are, are not, you know, super interested in like going along that journey, but this is still your goal. And so how can we create a path for you to get to that goal without thinking that you have to become these things that you don't want to become? Like, how can you be authentic and still be successful? I love that. I, I'm working with a sales leader and a president of a company who have a toxic relationship. Mm. And 
the president of the company is getting re really big pressure to grow, but the VP of sales has been there for a long enough that this person's saying, if we were to do that, it's going to change who we are. It's exactly what you described. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this unwillingness to let that go, you've just given me a framework that we can share with this. Like, what do we have to let go if we're going to get here? What would have to be true in order for that to happen? I yes. like that. Yes. You know, a, a, a quote that someone, I didn't, I can't claim credit for this. Someone who was really smart said this to me and I just love it. It's people fear two things, change and staying the same. And that's where people really get stuck. It's like they, they don't, they know that they can't stay where they are. Like that's why they're coming to me. That's why they're coming to you, Rob. They fear staying the same, but they fear change. And, and, and then it's like, do you, which one do you fear more? And so for my clients, um, they're, they're probably already coming to me because they're very afraid of staying the same. And so my job is to help them get over their fear of change so that they can move past that point. I think that's going to be the title of our episode. People fear two things, change yeah. and staying the same. It's really, really insightful. So we're down to our last 10 minutes, if you can believe that, 10, 11 minutes. Wow, um, it's really flew it's by. Gone, it's, it's gone fast. And so I want to make sure that we that we dive into some of the things that you can share with our, our listeners on this cataloging thing. Awesome. What else would you recommend? Like as a sales leader, here's one or two more things that you can do to help be more intentional. Because the reason I love this, Monica, I believe that as leaders, anything we leave to, to accidental, the best mm -hmm. we can hope for is average. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if we're mm -hmm. accidental with our belief, we probably are going to have average beliefs. If we want elite uh, performance, we know we're going to need elite beliefs. So that means we better be able to be, to be able to address that intentionally You've given us a couple of tools already. Any others that you'd say, hey, here's a couple of things you ought to think about doing? Yeah, absolutely. So there's two things that I'll share with you guys. Um, and one of them is incredibly powerful as a leader. Um, and then the other one is actually incredibly powerful as, as a leader, as a founder, um, as someone who's treading your professional path or even in your personal life. This is something that I, I personally use a lot. So the first one, yeah. So the first one, uh, something that you can use with your team. Um, so one of the big mistakes that I made early on when I was a leader is I was like, okay, like I'm their leader. I'm the VP of sales. They're all looking up to me. I have to lead them. Right. And what I wasn't doing is like, I wasn't leading people where I was at. And the way that I was behaving as a leader was exactly the opposite of the way that I was behaving in sales and the way that I was teaching my entire team to sell, right? Like there is no way that I would show up on a call and be like, uh, yeah, and you know, we're, we're, we're a red IQ and we're amazing. And we've been doing this for 10 years and we've got all these marquee clients. And by the way, if any of you are coming on your calls and saying that, please don't like send me a DM on LinkedIn. Let's talk about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, I was showing up in my one-on-ones and I was like, look guys, you know, I've been, you know, I've been doing this for seven years. I've sold deals this size. Like I know how to do this. Follow me, believe me, trust in me. Like, like, like look to me as your guide. And what I wasn't doing is that I wasn't looking at them and really looking at where they were at and going and meeting them there and taking them by the hand and showing them the path, like not how to get to where I was, but to where they wanted to be. So I would really look as a leader right now, I would look at the process that you're using 
for your one-on-ones, for your performance reviews, for your goal sessions with your team, even your team meetings. And think about where are there places that I can apply some of this amazing discovery and empathy and EQ and active listening that we're using every day with our clients? Are there any places that I can apply that a little bit better to my team? Like, how can I do like a really deep discovery on the people that I'm responsible for, understand their motivations, understand their needs, understand their challenges, and then like show them this solution in a way that makes sense for them so that they're as excited about it as I am. Why I love what you just said. Um, We don't have, like sometimes people say, oh, it's only a small change. Small changes in sales and in sales leadership create massive massive disproportionate results. Here's why. If you're 1% better than your competitor, for example, you don't get 1% more business. You mm-hmm. get 100% of the deal. If you're if you win by 0.05, like you're 51 50.0005 to 49.005, you're less than 1% better, but you got 100% of the deal. Okay? Yeah. And yeah. so if if you make small changes, in the right places, it yields massive results. So I love this concept of meeting where they are. And if you even find small things, if you're consistently doing small things, it's going to create massive results. And yes, so I love definitely. that. Yeah. And it and it's really important, especially now to be able to create that kind of trust and that bond and that cohesiveness with your team. Because I mean, look, like it is not the same world as it was five years ago. People are much more aware of the opportunities that they have in the market. There is more information that is available to the salespeople that are working for you than there ever has been. The barrier to learning has never been lower, which is fantastic. But it also means that like, as if I was in charge of a team of a couple dozen reps right now, Um, I would be thinking every single day, like, what am I going to do today to win the battle for the hearts and minds of my team? Because there's 10 other guys on LinkedIn that are trying to sell them their own programs, their own frameworks, their own courses. And if half your team is like learning some other sales methodology, and then they're going and they're applying that to whatever process you're trying to get them to run, it's really going to eat away at the results that you're able to get. And it's going to eat away at your team and eat away at your culture. And so you really need to like take extra time they don't have to listen to you just because you're their manager hey sorry i'm i'm on my second page of notes i'm almost (laughs) on my second page of notes here this has been really great i i can't wait to cut this up into some videos for sales leadership united as well the first one you wanted to give me was a team tool i like this what's the second tool Mm -hmm. you wanted to share yes so this is, uh, I've never shared this publicly before. Um, this Let's is, go. Yeah, this is very, it's, it's very personal actually, um, but I love it. And it's, it, it's extremely illuminating. So this is a, this is a manifestation practice and you can do it for any part of your life. You can do it for your business. You can do it whenever you want, um, share it with your friends. So what you do, open up another page in your notebook and just write down as many ideas and dreams and goals as you can think of. It can be a list, it can be a story, it can be a vision of yourself in the future, any format that you want. The very, very, very important thing is that it cannot be anything that you could just go and do right now if you wanted to. 
So if you're at like a 20 million ARR startup, your goal cannot be like, I want to get 25 million ARR next year. Like you already know how to do that. You can just go do that right now. Probably not even 30 because you, you also could just go do that right now. Like you have to think really big. And the reason that that works and the reason that it's important in this exercise is two things. One, it frees you of the pressure of having to commit to these goals. So a lot of people hold themselves back from asking for the things that they really want because they know that as soon as they say it, then they have to either go and do it or admit to themselves that they failed in getting what they want. And so they would rather like just not even go there. And so giving yourself this parameter that you can only have, you can, you can only in this exercise create goals that there's no way you would be able to achieve even if you wanted to. Like, let's say you are a founder of a startup and you've got like a million in revenue. And so maybe one of your goals is like, um, I want to, uh, I want to have a hundred million users and I want to speak. I don't want to just speak at a TED conference. I want TED to create a whole separate conference that we host just for us because our impact on the world has been so huge, like Let's something go. crazy like that. Yeah. And I'm going to host it with my best friend, Richard Branson, and we're going to hold it on an airplane that he's going to build with our branding. And the conference is going to be held in the airplane. We're going to fly around the world, like whatever it is, just, you know, ridiculous, crazy stuff. And it's funny because when you do this and you start to write these things down, you might be like, I actually do know someone that knows someone that knows Richard Branson. Like maybe I could make this happen. Um, so, you know, just whatever it is has to just has to be something that you could not go out and start doing tomorrow, even if you wanted to, because you wouldn't know how. Um, so it frees you from the pressure. And then the, the second reason is that it helps you to then understand the full universe of what it is that you really want and like what your potential really could be in the world because you get to like play and dream a little bit and you're like you see yourself in that thing with Richard Branson you're like I, I could be that like that could be me um and then and this is the part that's going to sound a little magical and if you guys aren't into it that's fine you don't have to do it then you don't do anything else you close your notebook that's it you don't try to get introductions to Richard Branson. You don't take any action towards these things and you just let them sit there. And then you go back and you revisit them again, maybe in a couple of months, maybe you can do it once a year. You can pick a cadence that works for you. You go back and you look at your old goals and then you do the exercise again. You come up with a new set of goals. Um, and over time, if you do this, it's really interesting and I don't have an explanation for it, but a certain number of them do actually start to become part of your life. I believe with what everything you just said, I know we're almost out of time, but I can tell you, I have my own personal version of that from one of my coaches, their version nice. of it was, I got to teach you to think bigger, Rob. I've yeah. been through some dark, dark areas. And it was like the first, the physical is the easiest. So I want you to list 100 things that you still want to accomplish in your life that right now you couldn't do if you just wanted to go out and do it. 100 nice. of them. Nice. And so I couldn't, I came up with like 18 and he was like, yeah. these are all layup drills. These are all layup drills. You got to think bigger than this. It's got to be like stuff that makes you say there's no chance. Then it was a hundred experiences. I still wanted to have one was physical things. And the other one was experiences that you couldn't just go do right now. It's not like I'll go buy a plane ticket and do that. Like it's, it's out of reach. Yeah. And I want both of those. And so he mocked me. I could make 12 on one <laughs> list and 18 on the other list. He's like, you clearly have a problem in thinking big. We've got to unlock mm. that in your mind. 
I do mm-hmm. that with my clients now because it was so meaningful to me. The best part was not just getting to the hundred on each. The best part was when I started scratching them off because I was accomplishing them, and I yes. had to come up with new, and I had to come up with new things to keep my list at a hundred. Yeah, like I I could pop that up. I've turned it into a PowerPoint. I've turned them into images, so it's not just an idea. Now it's an image, and oh, uh, so the best part is when you start crossing them off and you go, oh, uh-huh. I got that one. Now it I gotta works. replace it. I gotta yep. replace it. Think bigger. You, you gotta bigger. go bigger. Yes. 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 Yeah. Oh, I All love right. That. This was this was awesome. Um, I want to give you a chance to have some final thoughts um at the end. But I also want to make sure people have a chance to get a hold of you. There's gonna be a lot of sure. people that are like, wow, Monica sounds really cool. Monica's got made me think differently. There'll be people that might have questions or just want to connect. How do they connect with you? How do they get more of you? How do they learn more of what you're doing? How, how do mm-hmm. they get introduced to the Monica Stewart show? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So it's super simple. The best way to find me is on LinkedIn, Monica Stewart, MSP Consulting. It's like LinkedIn forward slash Monica Stewart. Um, go to my profile. And actually, when you go to my profile, you scroll down to the featured section. There's a little tile there that says book a call with me. And if you guys are interested in talking about how this would apply to wherever you're at um, in your journey, um, just go to LinkedIn, go to Monica Stewart, MSP Consulting, go to my profile, click that little tile, goes right to my calendar, um, book some time, and we can talk about, you know, what, wherever you guys are at, whatever you're seeing in your company, whatever you're seeing in your team, you can book um, a personal strategy session with me right from there. I'm going to tell you, for people that haven't, haven't cracked the belief and mindset code, it can sound weird. But every single, not some, every single leader I've worked with that took what you just said seriously, 100% of them, not 98, mm-hmm. not 95, 100% of them accomplished far more than they ever thought. It might be one of the easier tools to use, but it's the one that very few are trained in. So I am so pumped yeah. you brought this up today. Me you got 50,000 people listening to us, Monica. If you were to take a couple of minutes and wrap up what we talked about, if you want to give a final thought to everyone, what, what would you say? Oh, man. You know, I would say that I, I think that for everybody listening out there, you guys are sales leaders, startup founders, you know, people that have been working in this world. I just want everybody to know that you have already worked so hard and you've already taken such a risk to be here. Like this is not the easy path at all. Average tenure for a sales leader in SaaS startup world is 18 months. And I think it's even a little bit shorter now. And like, you know, sometimes you get to ride that rocket ship, but you have to, you have to go through a lot of experiences to get to that place. And so I would say, I have so much respect for what all of you have done already. And I want you to give yourselves credit for that. And don't be afraid to ask for what you want, because you think you won't get it. It's possible. It can happen. You can do it. Love it. Her name is Monica Stewart. She's helping people overcome the fear of change and the fear of staying the same. Uh, (laughs) She's helping them do both of those with tools that you can use immediately. So I got a couple of suggestions. Number one, implement what she talked about. Do it, right? Common knowledge does not equal common practice. Do what she suggested. I will tell you, you will be better off if you do. Number two, connect to her, follow her. Uh, reach out to her, ask those questions that maybe you've had, because you will be glad to have her in your circle. And the things she can help you do will be those different things that make a difference. 
Monica, on behalf of 50,000 people all around the world, I want to thank you for joining me. I wish you only the very best success. Uh, and on behalf of everyone, happy selling. Thank you so much, Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this episode is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Listen, since 2019, Sales Leadership United uh, has, has been in place and it's grown to be the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. And I'm pumped to remind everyone that we now have a new and improved Sales Leadership United. We've moved off of Patreon and we are at salesleadershipunited.com. Listen, I coach over 100 leaders in big companies, new companies, um, uh, high growth companies, more mature companies. They're in every industry. Think of any every industry that matters. And I'm working with uh, some of the key players in every one of those industries. These are people that are new to leadership, new to their company, some of the most seasoned sales leaders in the world, some of the newest ones as well. Every single one of them wants more tools. They want more insights. They want more perspective. They ask me questions like, how do you create systems? How do you create foundations? How do you create change? Man, how do you coach? How do you lead people up? Manage your, lead your managers up. How do you connect to a totally different generation? But the number one question I get is, what are other leaders like me doing to solve problems like the ones I'm facing now? And that's why you got to check out Sales Leadership United. Tools, trainings, techniques, perspective that comes from the benefit of hours, thousands of hours with other leaders from all around the world. So if you haven't checked out Sales Leadership United, head over to Sales Leadership United, use the code ROB to get a free trial. Uh, and for less than the cost of lunch, you'll find that we can start giving you tools that will help you create more impact faster. Now, this conversation with Monica, wow, I loved it. I knew it was going to be good. There was a lot of reasons I was excited to get to know Monica, but I found that it was even better than I expected. Listen, as we release this, it's November of 2023. We've just started what a lot of people and what I like to refer to as SKO season, sales kickoff season. S sales teams are kicking off next year in the months of November through February. It happens every year. I just finished my third one yesterday. Uh, I did, I've done two this week and one last week. I got a whole bunch more scheduled, 13, 14 more scheduled between now and the end of February. This year, I'm sharing a new performance model. I call it the performance pyramid. Um, <clears throat> it, it's got five layers, five levels that will help us make change. And, and these five focus points help sales teams have the greatest year of their career. And the bottom level, the, the base of that pyramid that everything sits on is mindset. Mindset is the thing that holds everything together. And unfortunately, most people have never been taught how to be intentional about mindset. Most of the time, all a salesperson gets is cheerleading. Things like, you can do it, or hey, we got this, or hey, keep a positive attitude. And honestly, those three things are not even entry-level mindset work. So when Mo Monica shared with me that her starting point is beliefs, that's where everything starts. I was really excited to have her join me because here's a truth that I've learned. This is really important to someone who does a lot of time coaching. Coaching is about getting people to change behaviors, okay? No human being will change a behavior permanently unless they change a belief first. I'm going to say that again. I have learned that there is no, no behavior that a human being will change permanently unless they first change a belief. And this is exactly why most people never experience massive growth massive change, or massive success. 
The reason? They're anchored by old beliefs. They're unwilling or sometimes even afraid to change these. They're afraid to continue to learn. They're afraid to grow and become something totally different. So I want you to think back to something that we probably all studied when we were kids in grade school. I'm talking about a caterpillar. I probably, I've seen so many people, my kids had to do it. You get a stick and you got to put a caterpillar on there and then it makes a cocoon and it becomes, in my case, a monarch butterfly. And so when this caterpillar grows up, it gets to a point where it has perfected the art of walking around on six legs. But when it goes into the cocoon, it comes out never walking again. It comes out with wings and then it flies. Too many of us never fly because we hold on to those legs. We're so afraid of losing the ability to walk that we never develop the ability to fly. And as we head into next year, we're going to be asked to have new levels of performance. Remember, our job that we're hired for is to create the greatest year in company history every single year. Okay? And and so, yeah, this year we were supposed to create the best year that the company ever had. Next year we're going to be asked to do it again. And to do this, I find that far too many teams turn to the grind because they have this belief that more success only comes from more effort. And that just simply isn't true. And if you want to have the greatest year of your career, a legendary year, an elite year, you you know, you got to choose growth, not grind. Here's an important truth. Talent is a gift, but growth, that's a choice. And your choice to choose growth starts with your beliefs. Today, Monica gave some incredible insights on how to shape shape beliefs and why we have to let go of old beliefs in order to make room for new ones. This is a super important episode. As you prepare for next year, a big part of your plan needs to be how we shape and upgrade our beliefs. And that starts with you as a leader. You need to change your beliefs so you can help those you lead change theirs. Because I know Monica's right. I don't think she's right. I know she's right. People fear two things. They fear change and they fear staying the same. And when you stop and consider that, when you choose to be intentional about that, then and only then can you start the process of changing your beliefs. And that, that's going to open you up to opportunities that you've never considered. That, that's when you're going to stop crawling around and you're going to begin to fly. So let's make next year about flight, not just crawling faster. Monica, thank you so much for joining me. Congrats on your success. This was such an important conversation. I love your perspective. I love your approach. And I am a big fan. So on behalf of 50,000 sales leaders worldwide, thank you for sharing an hour with us today. My advice, connect with Monica. Reach out to her. You're going to find she's an incredible resource. I love the things she shares regularly, and you will too. I've included links to the show notes to make it easy for you to connect to Monica and leverage her resources. She will help you go places you might have never arrived to, and she'll do it faster than you might think possible. And be sure to check out Sales Leadership United to get the video segments of the highlights of my conversation with Monica and other amazing guests of the show. I'll have several clips that will be huge leadership resources for you, and you'll want to use these videos for sure. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. The greatest compliment you can give is to share the show with those you work with. Introduce them to the Sales Leadership Podcast. Leave us us a review on iTunes, and you can support the show by checking out Sales Leadership United. Head over to salesleadership.com, use the code name ROB, have a free trial on me, and you will be glad you did. Thank you for your support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Remember, our job as leaders is to create life-changing years for the people we lead.
And if you like this message, share it with someone who needs to hear it and then get after it this week because life is short. We got no guarantee of what comes tomorrow. Maximize your today, be elite, live strong, and chase your passions. Do your best work so you can live your best life. And don't ever forget, you got this and I got you. Have a terrific week. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.